This episode is sponsored by Fire and Fuel Coaching, where I help you discover who you are and where you want to go, both on and off the job. For more information, please reach out to me at my Instagram handle at juryfireandfuel. This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Welcome. The trials of first responders and their families aren't easy. Enduring the Badge Podcast is building a community to help them out. Introducing your host, backed by 30 years of experience as a first responder, Jerry Dean Lund. Hi everyone, before we jump into this next episode, I just want to take a minute to thank my sponsor, Patriot Supreme, an incredible veteran-owned company making top-notch CBD products that I trust and love, and I use them in my daily life. My personal experience with the broad-spectrum CBD oil is it gives me energy, and it also clears up that brain fog when I don't get enough sleep. I also used it coming out of COVID when I had that brain fog that you all know and I probably have had once you've had COVID. It just doesn't seem to go away, and this really helped on a day-to-day basis take that brain fog away. My favorite right now that I'm using quite a bit is a deep freeze roll-on. I got a little bit of a bicep injury, and I'm using that to help relieve some pain, but they have so many great products that you'll love like I do. They have CBD gummies. They have CBD gummies with melatonin. They have CBD capsules. Please check them out, patriotsupreme.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Let's jump right into this episode. My very special guest today is Lillian Carney, and she's the president and executive director of Carney Strong. How are you doing? For having me. I'm doing pretty good today. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. I'm so excited to have you on. It's going to be a great day to talk. Yeah, so introduce the audience to yourself a little bit. So my name is Lillian Carney. I am the president and executive director of the Carney Strong Initiative. Um, I am not one of the co-founders. Um, I stumbled upon it. Um, I don't want to say by accident, but it was some other people who who formulated the uh, organization, and they invited me to join along. So of course, I said yes. Um, but it was, it all started because my husband, um, of 20 years, Josh Carney was diagnosed with stage four melanoma in June of 2017 and passed away in October of 2017. So it was a very quick, aggressive form of cancer. Um, and Josh's cousin in Connecticut, Christine wanted to, uh, wanted to do something in his, in his memory. And so she raised some money to buy some decontamination wipes for their hometown department in Connecticut. And she placed a large order of responder wipes. Um, and so Tanya, the owner of responder wipes reached out to Christine, you know, to find out like, okay, what's going on. Um, they did a little talking back and forth. Um, Christine told Tanya about Josh uh, Tanya actually had a mutual friend of Josh's, Aaron Heller. And so Tanya had already sort of known about Josh's story and what had happened. Um, and as you know, um, Jerry, you've already talked with Tanya. She's an amazing person. She has a huge, she's, she's just wonderful. And so her and Christine got to talking and they wanted to donate more than just wipes that turned into, they wanted to donate to more than just one department. Um, so they had already talked about what they wanted to do, the kind of plan they were working out for the rest of 2018. Um, Christine kept in touch with me during all of their talks, just making sure that I was okay with each one of the steps they did. And of course, I was, you know, I was so elated that it was it was going to be in Josh's memory. And yeah. it was, you know, someone else was taking this proactive approach to really get his name out there and to get a story so that others could learn from it. And so, of course, I was 
thrilled with everything. Um, and it came at a perfect time in my life um, to really just jump in. And so we turned it into, um, we were going to do one donation a month for the rest of um, 2018 to, we just made our, I don't even know, our 36 monthly donation. And we donated to 160 departments in the past um, three years. So that's awesome. It's, that's um, an awesome. Yeah, it is. I mean, Tanya is an amazing and, um, person and she's obviously connected yeah. with you, which are doing something incredibly amazing too. And with Josh's story and we'll get more into Josh's story and how you're doing Absolutely. with that. Yeah. So that's yeah, so donating. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I just think that's a, such awesome. Such a, just a great thing to start this process where you started donating and then it's just growing and growing and growing, which is, I, and I hope it this has. podcast contributes to that. I, I would appreciate, I hope that, I hope so. And I appreciate you having us on to talk about it too. So yeah, we started off, Tanya reached out to a couple of distributors and companies that she knows in the fire service, um, Citrus Squeeze, and she reached out to Brothers Helping Brothers. They're another nonprofit organization to run everything through them. Um, and so between Tanya, Citrus, or Responder Wipes, Citrus Squeeze, and Last Line of Cancer Defense, uh, we started making donations. And then we start talking to more people. We met a couple of people, like some conferences and word gets around. And so we had a couple of different other organizations reach out to see if they could help out. Uh, so we ended up bringing on fire wipes as well as um, firefighter cancer consultants with some online training. Um, and then we actually just partnered up now with um, fire soap. So we've added in some fire soaps from our monthly departments um, as well. So, and then even more exciting beyond our monthly departments, we teamed up with first and emergency products to, uh, they do some gear, uh, equipment inside trucks, um, and, uh, chief vehicles and that kind of stuff. And so they do the containers inside of them. Um, so we reached out, we're doing another donation with them to give away, um, what they call their, um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, but so it's a, it's, it's a gear safe that goes inside of, um, oh, yeah, yeah. In, in the back of the, in the back of the, um, like the giant I'm my words, but yeah, yeah. The cheese vehicles. And so we're doing another donation with them. When we give that away, we're also going to be that whatever department receives that will also get, um, 20, uh, in a, in a text hoods that we're going to be donating. So, so we did start off really small. Um, we still are a small organization. We still give away, um, we still donate smaller type um, items, but um, we're trying to, you know, just at least get the word out there and and share and share our family story, share Josh's story to remind people that there are so many things that they can do and they need to do. Um, and just kind of show them the other side of it. If you don't, you know, if you do end up getting cancer, some some of the, effects beyond the side effects that you get from the treatment itself and, and how that affects your life and your family. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind if we uh, talk about Josh's story and how that came about? I do not mind. It's I a... do not mind talking about Josh's story. Um, so we were high school sweethearts. I'm not going to tell you when we were in high school, but it was a long time ago. Uh, That's awesome. We were both from, we're both from Connecticut. And when we were in high school, he actually was a volunteer at his hometown department in North Haven. 
So he got the firebug super early. He was 16. Um, and him and his best friend, Dan, had started going to their local department. They were volunteers there. Josh um, didn't really want to do anything else with his life. He wanted to become a firefighter. So when we graduated high school, he joined the Air Force, uh, where he spent four years in. He was a firefighter in the Air Force. We got married, and it, we weren't ready to move back to Connecticut. Uh, so we filled out some applications on the East Coast, and lo and behold, Midway Fire Rescue and Polly's Island hired him. And so we moved down to South Carolina, and we stayed. Um, and so he got hired on in January of 2000 and um, stayed until until the day he passed away. He ended up, they medically retired him on the day he passed away. So he did 25 years all together, uh, wow. a couple years as a volunteer, four years in the Air Force, and then um, the almost 17 years at Midway. Uh, so combined, it was over 25 years in the service. Well, yeah, in the fire service. Yeah, yeah, Um, that's awesome accomplishment. Yeah. And so he was a captain um, in the beginning of 20 or 2017. Um, And in the beginning of 2017 is when he had the first spot on the back of his head. He had always had the military style haircut, their short crew. But um, close to bald, you know, it was like, <laughs> like I don't even know number two on the ra- on the razor. But um, and he so he had a spot in the back of his head that we thought was an ingrown hair. You know, I mean that happens, right? And right, it didn't go right. away, but it didn't hurt. So so we just went about life. Um, he was testing and studying to be uh, for the battalion chiefs exam. Um, he was attending FDIC. He had some training in Charlotte. Charlotte. Um, I had traveled a lot for work back then. So we just went about life and um, lo and behold, the one spot on the back of his head turned into another one somewhere on the back of his neck. And then he had one on his side. Um, But they like appeared and they didn't hurt and he had no other symptoms. There was nothing wrong with them. They didn't hurt to touch. They didn't give him any pains. And so it wasn't until May that we finally made the appointment for him to just go see the um, his, his, uh, general physician. And it was a general physician who said to Josh, you have to tell me that it hurts in order for us to refer you to a surgeon to get the one on your head removed. Stubborn Josh. Well, it doesn't hurt. And so the physician was arguing with him saying, no, you have to tell me that in order for insurance to cover it, that like, so we can get the surgeon to remove the spot that's on your head. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is the one in his head, it did start off as what appeared to be an ingrow hair. And okay. over the course of that couple of months, it did grow. Um, okay. And so it was a little bit bigger and a little bit more pronounced. Uh, but again, it still didn't hurt him. So at that point, it's like, okay, now it's, now it's you know, kind of obvious because it's, you don't have any hair. So. Um, so he finally did break down and tell the physician that, yes, okay, fine, it hurts. Um, they made an appointment to see the general surgeon and the general surgeon said, well, let's go get a, a PET scan for that. Um, so he got the appointment for the PET scan two days later. And then two days after that, uh, he talked to the general surgeon and that's when the general surgeon is the one who told him he had cancer. Um, he didn't give him any more information, just that, that he definitely, um, that he definitely did no. I'm saying that backwards. He went for the PET scan. He was told that they they that he did have cancer, right? They they wanted to do a biopsy to remove it. So two days later after that, so it was like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of that week. Okay. Um, and so Friday he went for the biopsy to get it removed, 
the one in his head. While they were in there, they actually found a second one right next to it. So they removed both the ones on the back of his head um, and sent those out to to determine exactly what type of cancer it was. But then a week or two later is when we met with the oncologist and it was stage four melanoma. Um, wow. We, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot all at once. And I am the type of person who has to plan everything out. So to hear you have cancer to hurry up and wait, I wanted to go plan everything. Okay, let's start doing this. Let's plan this. Let's plan this. And it was so, it was such, it's it's already a long time anyway, to, to find out what the plan is going to be. But then we added 4th of July on top of it, and it just seemed like it took forever to find out anything. Um, And we were, this is probably going to be the first interview that I actually start talking this way. Um, Meaning, I I, I don't want to say that I sugarcoated things before, but um, we were naive and we were stupid. We did not, we shouldn't have waited. one thing that I do tell a lot of people, and it's something that I've tried to do since day one of his cancer diagnosis, is on day one, when we were talking at the kitchen table about him and and his diagnosis, not knowing anything, one thing that we said is that we were not going to play that should have, could have, would have game, right? right so we're right. not going we're not going to say, oh, I wish I knew that we would have done this differently. Um, and we had established that right from the beginning because it was the only way that we were going to survive anything That's and very powerful. for so long. Yeah. And you know, it's like, and I still, to this day, I will still tell people that, you know, when I have, when I know people who are diagnosed, it's the first thing I say is don't play that game because it's a rabbit trail that you can yeah. get consumed in. And, right. and so even after his death and now I still try very hard to play that game. But I have to be honest and I have to say, we knew something was wrong at the beginning of the year. We knew there was, the bump didn't show up out of nowhere. It wasn't an ingrown hair because it didn't go away. So we knew something was wrong, but we went about life like it was no big deal. Oh, you're getting and, busy, right? You're busy and your yeah. life is happening. And you're like, and I know for me and some of the stuff I've gone through and I've talked to you a little bit through email about it, I've had some skin cancer stuff too. And you just like, oh yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. It's like, it's yeah. right. It's not that big a deal. It's not hurting as much or not so noticeable. And yeah, mm-hmm. you just, you just keep going. And and I don't have time. It. I don't have time yeah. to even call the doctor to make an appointment. Right. You right. Know? And then this is happening. And then I have to do some this with the kids and we're going on this vacation and life gets in the way. And before you know it, there's, you know, three or four more bumps. And five months later, you're making an appointment to go to the doctor. Yeah. And I so, Sorry, I got one question for you about mm-hmm. so the, the spots that appeared on his head and then on his neck and on his side, did they all look the same or did they look did they look completely different from each one? No, they all pretty much look the same. So they were all spots that they were all subcutaneous. Everything was under his skin. So oh, it was okay. basically like it was a zit before it was a zit, I guess. Okay. You know, that's why we yeah. thought it was an ingrown hair because there wasn't any there wasn't there wasn't a discoloration there in the beginning, there wasn't a discoloration. There wasn't any type of scar. There wasn't, it didn't feel different. It, it was just a raised bump. Okay. Um, and then 
as time went along and, you know, as when, like, and then all of a sudden now they're like, they seem to be everywhere. Um, they, uh, there was a couple of them that did change, but in the beginning, no, they were just, they were all subcutaneous bumps that just were there. Yeah. But everybody listening, everybody I mean, listening both- right now is like, uh, thinking about all the spots on their bodies and like, you know, should I have them checked or what, you know, what do I do? Yeah. You should absolutely have them checked. If you are even questioning it, you should absolutely have them checked. There's even if, even, you know, even if it is, there's no, there's no mole. I mean, if there's anything wrong with your body, I'm telling you right now, it's better to go to the doctor and make the appointment. It's better to have to use two hours of sick time, you know, to get that appointment, to, to look, to find out, to start that process well before it's a problem. Right. So you're, which is what we didn't do. Yeah. But, right. I think we all have areas in our lives that we can look at and we do things like that and just pass them on. So as, as you're going through this process with John and you get the results back from this, the biopsy and stuff, what, what takes place next? So, uh, like I said, Josh and I did a lot of sitting and waiting. Um, it, it was a lot of sitting and waiting. Um, we did not, um, we didn't, when we first talked with the oncologist and he gave us the treatment plan of what he would do, we said, okay. Um, we said, all right, this is, this is, if this is what you think is best and this is what we're going to do. Um, in the beginning, Josh was very adamant that it wasn't career related. Um, you know, he liked to be in the sun as a kid. He liked to peel his sunburns when he was younger. He doesn't, you know, he, like every man, he doesn't put on sunscreen every day and, and not that we spent a lot of time outside of the sun, but you know, he's, it's melanoma, it's skin cancer. And, and so and I started, I was the one who was doing a little bit more of the research and was trying to tell him that, no, there's a good possibility. This is career related. This is, you know, like you didn't have, um, I, I cannot remember the word that the oncologist used, but with melanoma, there's that one original source. Okay. And they couldn't find the original source on Josh. Oh, I um, so when it's typical melanoma, typical skin cancers, there's, there's one original source that they know that this is where it started from. Um, and they couldn't find that on Josh. So, so with that information and his 25 years in the service and going through and, and doing the, like reading these white papers online, it did take him it took him probably a good two months before he finally was like, yeah, it's definitely career related. It's not from, it's not just from just being outside in the sun. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's not just from waiting from, you know, January to May to make the appointment because he did have, he was straight up diagnosed with, with malignant melanoma. He had a, um, he had two lymph nodes that already had it in there. And then they ended up doing a brain MRI and he had several spots in his brain as well. So, so at that point, it had already traveled and spread. Um, so we started the treatment that the oncologist had recommended. And I'm not saying that the oncologist was wrong because um, Optivo and I forgot the other one, but there was two different immunotherapy drugs that we were going to, um, that he was going to be taking. And doing the research, they had a higher success rate of um, prolonging life or even, you know, reducing the cancer or even there's there's several people that were stage three and four that were on these two drugs that are now cancer free so it was promising um 
And, and so that's why we didn't push for a second opinion or to try to find a different option um, or any of that, because we did the quick research with those, the two immunotherapy drugs, and it was promising. Um, unfortunately, it didn't actually have any effect on Josh. Um, it seems like either one of the drugs. Um, for the spots in his brain, he did end up going for uh, direct brain radiation to the spots. And that was one thing that, that, that the treatment for that did reduce the spots in his brain. So he was able to do, I think, 10 days straight of the direct brain radiation. And then a couple months later, um, a couple weeks before he passed away, actually, we got the, we did another um, MRI and they got the results and there was, we were so excited. We were joking wow. around because yeah. he had shrinkage of the tumors in his brain. So it was fantastic. And even though at that point, it's the end of September, beginning of October, and he is feeling like crap. And, you know, he had all the side effects from the treatment and, and, and he just was exhausted. It was, we had this glimmer of hope. Right. And, and, and then, and then to find out that after, um, we did another PET scan after three months of being on the drugs that um, the drugs were not working. The cancer had spread. So it was, um, it was rough. Um, yeah, I can't and, even and imagine. He had, he had so, so many of his symptoms that he was having were side, side effects from the drugs or so we thought were side effects from the drugs. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, it's really hard to tell the difference is, are you tired because you're not eating enough? Are you not eating enough because of this? And, and like between the treatments, between the cancer itself, um, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Uh, he ended up, um, his kidneys ended up starting to shut down and we thought because of the symptoms around that, we thought, okay, look at the symptoms for the drugs. And that's one of the side effects. Um, so so his kidneys actually started shutting down sooner than we thought. Um, and then when we got the results of the second MRI and we were talking to the doctor at that point, when, when the oncologist is, is basically sitting there, has no other words other than your kidneys are not functioning. So you do not qualify for this trial and there are no other trials because of everything else that's happening. So I'm sorry, you know, and, that that for me was like okay what's next right, you know right. like i accept the you know like okay so we, can we do any more is there any more trials is there nothing and you're just sitting there and they're like no i'm sorry and so at that point it was definitely like okay okay so we're stopping treatment there's nothing else they can do but there's no there's no there's no packet or there wasn't with our oncologist is what I should say. Like there yeah, was no, these are the next steps, right? So I understand that we don't have another course of treatment, but now what? Do we just go home? Like, do we do, how do I call hospice? How do we prepare for this? What is it we should think about with this? And, and I didn't have that. And it was just like, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand how you can just say, I'm sorry. And then nothing. Yeah. I, in my you know, mind the whole like time you're, you're, you're saying this stuff and I'm like, who's there to help you navigate this? Like, who's, who's your advocate? Who's, right? you know, has, I'm just like, has your arm around you and like, Hey, this is what we're, what we can do next. Yeah. And this is where we're headed and things like that. Instead of just, it seems like you are having there's no to, checklist. Yeah. There's no checklist. And you're the one that's trying to navigate anything as best right. you can. 
plus, you know, the emotional side of, of things is, I, I just yeah. I struggle with it. And he was 41. I was 40. I mean, we like, this is a, this, is, I've never done this before. My mother-in-law was a rock. She came, I mean, she had been down, she was, she's from Connecticut and she had come down several times. Um, you know, she had always come down to visit anyway, and then came down several times during his treatments and stuff. And, and when we called her, she was, I think she was here like 10 hours later, <laughs> which yeah. is a 13 hour drive, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it was, and it was nice to have her because at least at that point she did have, she did have knowledge. She did have that experience um, with other family members of, okay, so let's call, let's call a hospice. How do we do this? And, and just, you know, to really kind of make sure that we had um, everything planned out. So it's just that initial shock of, okay, where's my checklist? Now, what do I do? And there's nothing. And so, you know, between my mother-in-law and I have this core group of awesome friends that just took over everything. And, Anyway, so we did the, um, the oncologist did tell us that he'd probably have, you know, two to three weeks and we did not. Um, it was, it was seven days later from the day that, that, that we stopped treatment. Yeah. Um, it was seven days later that he, that he passed away, but. That's, that's incredible. That's that with cancer and stuff like that, the timelines that they give you and things and the waiting and it's just like, it's just so hard to take, take in. And it seems like the timelines are never correct for the good or for the bad and it's just like it's it's just a wild guess in in some ways that they're they're kind of giving you and i guess i can understand that but that i mean that's like you said at 41 and 40 trying to prepare for someone's end of life you know and i you know as a as a fireman and first responder and i'm sure josh is was very proud and that had to be incredibly just you know added on top of his weight of the situation going on yeah. So for, um, you know, for Josh, it's like I said before, it did take him, uh, you know, a good couple months to realize that this is firefighter related. Um, we did end up, we did end up making the appointment with the attorney. So we did get a, um, full living will and testament. Um, he did end up getting a DNR and I have a little chuckle on that one because, um, you know, I know what it, DNR is. I understand why we have them. I understand yeah. why they're needed. But sitting at the attorney's office, and we didn't talk about that beforehand. And so we're like telling them what we want to put in the will and and how this is happening. And and then is there anything else you guys need? And I'm like, no, we don't need anything else. And Josh said, I'd like to fill out paperwork for a DNR. And it was like, yeah. what? No, wait, what? I don't. I don't understand. And I mean, that, that moment hit me like a ton of bricks because I understand what we were doing at the attorney's office. I understand we were preparing for a life, you know, without one of us in it, but the DNR is real. Um, Yeah. yeah, That just, it puts a whole different, whole different light on it. But um, so between, you know, we, we made the preparations, we made sure that um, several things were in place. We had already, you know, luckily we had already, you know, gotten life insurance and he had saved. He was not a type of firefighter to use his hours. He did not earn and burn his vacation or sick time. <laughs> so he had, I think, like almost 900 hours or just wow. over 900 hours combined of sick time and vacation time. So um, it, you know, he didn't, we never had to worry about short-term disability or long-term disability. And I say, we never had to worry about that. 
And I'm thankful we didn't have to worry about that. But that also means that the cancer journey was only four months. Right. You know, we had enough money and savings to cover the out-of-pocket expenses. Um, he quit his part-time job, and we were okay with that because we had enough money and savings, and we could pay our deductibles. We could pay everything that we needed from what we had saved because he only survived four months of treatment. Had we gone into another calendar year, I would have been very happy that he would have been here for longer, but... The, the financial the financial aspect of it would have would have definitely played its toll and at the time and technically I guess still the time we live in the state of South Carolina and there's there's no presumptive cancer laws and so Josh's Josh was that's one thing that weighed on him heavily was that that there wasn't going to be anything that he could give us after he passed away. There was nothing that, you know, there was no presumptive cancer laws. So we were not going to have any financial support from the state. Um, His death would not be constituted line of duty. So, you know, she, my, our daughter wouldn't get a free college education in the state of South Carolina and all that. And so that part definitely weighed heavily on him. Um, it, It weighed heavily on him quite a bit, but thankfully he, join Midway at the right time where he was still part of the old school um, retirement. So there we did, we did end up getting um, something from his retirement. Um, That's good. After he passed because they med- medically retired him, but yeah, just like the, the, the idea of, of he put in 25 years across, you know, three different places as a firefighter and 17 here in South Carolina at Midway and any and and nothing you know it's like nothing yeah i i I, honestly i wish i understood more of the you know the cancer preemptive stuff than i do and like you said most states don't have something in the state i'm in they have i think four types of cancer but it seems like it's just something that's i'll be honest on the books but they don't really ever want to see any claims against it no No, they do not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. So actually most states do have something, right? But something like you said, your state has four types of cancers and trying to get anything to pay out that way is, is ridiculous. Right. Um, It is good to see we are, there are several states that are adding more types of cancers in there. And um, I have been fortunate to work with the uh, it's what we're calling is the South Carolina uh, Firefighter Cancer Coalition. And it's several organizations throughout the state of South Carolina that have come together to um, push for legislature in South Carolina. Um, we pushed for it last year. Um, and I, so I was on the committee to help formulate um, what the coverage would be, what the requirements would be. And it passed the state or it passed the House, it passed the Senate last year. Um, but due to COVID and everything else going on, they passed it, but the funding has not been officially set yet. Um, and so it was signed by the governor the end of last year. And so it's worked into this year's budget that uh, will start July 1st, oh, but they're great. still waiting for their final sign off. Yeah. So it is not official yet in the state of South Carolina, but fingers crossed in, you know, six, eight weeks away, South Carolina firefighters will be covered. And the great thing with South Carolina's coverage is that first off, it it is one of the better bills that I've seen out there. It covers most types of cancers, 
and it covers our career and our volunteer firefighters. Wow, so that's, that's huge. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited to see this one officially happen on July 1st. Um, so we're just waiting for the, for the state budget to, to be finalized and to have their back and forth of, you know, it all being done, but it's hopefully going to be in effect in just six more weeks. So that's that will great. be huge, huge for South Carolina firefighters. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. huge accomplishment. So tell us a little bit more about the Carney Strong Initiative. So we are, we have five board members, um, um, Tanya Cronin, well, Tanya um, Herbert is one of them, the uh, responder wipes, and Christine Powers, those are the, our co-founders, the co-founders, um, Josh's cousin, Christine, uh, myself, and then actually I mentioned Josh's best friend, Dan, that they grew up yeah. together and they started as volunteers together. Dan is actually a firefighter in Connecticut, um, and so he is one of our board members, and so is Nick Magato, who is... Uh, he is the one who runs Brothers Helping Brothers. So we are a nonprofit organization um, and we have a very easy, simple grant uh, grant request form that uh, you can fill out. And we try to um, push more for the rural, suburban, smaller departments um, that have a harder time getting funding right. um, to, to, to run their departments. Um, we know that everybody needs help. We know that larger departments need help. Um, talking to a couple of Detroit city firefighters a couple of years ago, and that's just, that's sad all by itself. But, right, right, um, in so many levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but we try to focus on the smaller, the rural, um, the suburban, the volunteer combination departments. And so we pick a different department every month and uh, we ship them the uh, the supplies that we get from our product partners. And um, so that we do every month. And then we have a couple of random donations. We do have a sponsor department program where if you wanted to donate uh, X amount of dollars, then we put part of it into the Carney Strong Fund to pay for the monthly departments. And then we also will send a a smaller, um, a small, smaller bundle of decontamination supplies to the department that you're sponsoring. Um, but one thing that is that came out of nowhere, and I look forward to it every year, um, is what we call Decon Day. And Decon Day is the anniversary of Josh's passing. Um, I had a one random box of responder wipes that I wanted to donate to um, a sister station, I guess, of Josh's department um, and a friend of his. So I called the battalion chief down there and I was like, hey, I have this random box of wipes. Do you want it? He said, sure. And I'm like, okay, I'll stop by and drop it off in a couple of days. And being able to just make that random case donation to this one department was and like they were using baby wipes and they you know didn't they don't they didn't really have much for supplies and they didn't have the funding for it so to give them one case and to see to see like it actually made an impact and how much they appreciated just this one case turned into i want to donate to so many departments all at one time. And no, we can't afford to do our monthly department donations, but we can afford to spend a little bit of money and at least give them a couple of boxes. And knowing how much I got out of making that one random donation, I knew that we have friends and family from across the country that all I had to do was say, hey, you wanna stop by and make a donation if I send you the boxes? 
I mean, I can't even tell you, like we have so many departments in Pennsylvania because one of our volunteers, Chris Mallory, who used to work with Josh down here in, in South Carolina, he is a huge supporter of Kearney Strong and he he's a firefighter up there and he pushes decon and he will talk to anybody who will listen. And his father just recently passed away um, from firefighter cancer and his dad was on the job for so many years and Anyway, sorry, I digress there for a second. No, you're good, you're good. Anyway, so we started Decon Day, right? And so we reached out to some volunteers and and hooked them up with some departments. And we made, I think, 25 donations in 2018, uh, 30 in 2019. Uh, and we were going to do so great in 2020 and then COVID, right? Yeah. And, you know, COVID screwed up everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just did, and it oh, yeah. screwed up our decon day, yeah. right? But I found a way around it, and I am part of a Facebook group called um, Wife Behind the Fire, and it is Firefighter Wives. And I'm still, I was part of this group, this Facebook group before, and uh, a good friend of mine, um, never met her before, but Val runs it, and I said, hey, I I need, I need to get wipes out there. I want to do a decon day, and I want to have the wives give it to the spouses. Like, can we do this? And she was so on board with it. So we ended up, um, I reached out to them in the group and said, if you want to give your spouse wipes for him and, you know, for him and his shift, because we couldn't do that many to give for the whole department, just fill out a quick route, like send me an email, like fill out this form. And, and so we ended up on Decon Day reaching out and sending, I think it was a 65 total different donations that we sent out where fire wives gave it to their spouses. That's um, awesome. And so that was, that was it. perfect right? yeah. because we didn't have, we didn't have to worry about COVID. We didn't have to worry about not being able to go to the fire department. Mm. Um, we also lucked out pretty well too. And we were able to donate some cases of um, wipes to some departments in California. Um, we hooked up with Scott Jenny, who is the state director for FCSN for California. Um, and he helped us make a couple of donations too. Ironically, um, we also sent wipes to his wife so that she could give them to him as well. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's like just another way to be able to, to get through what would normally be a, a miserable day. Um, so we were able to, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was just gonna say we were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we were able to to continue on and and still do decon day even though it was COVID and and still make an impact and still share Josh's story and still share, you know how important decon is. So it was it was a good way to get through decon day. I don't know how we're going to top it for 2021. To be honest, oh, we're just going to get bigger. We're going to get bigger. So I, I want it. so it's is it October 27th? It it's October 19th. 19th. Okay. So October nineteenth. Yeah. Well, how do we get this passed in legislation to make like put it on a day? We have every other kind of day on the calendar, like you know, donut day, and right? Cake day and pie day, and why not? Why not decon day? Let's how do how do we get? This I, it's already decon day. Yeah, I yeah. Call we, it decon day. Yeah. That's what it is. How do we get that started? Yeah, we need I, to get a movement going here, folks listening. I, we 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 need to. October nineteenth is decon day. It's a good day to be a reminder and how important your, your decon is, how important it is to be prepared and flipping that coin, how important it is for you to be in family photos and how important it is for you to have a current will and how important it is for you to have those conversations with your spouses about 
life after death and and being prepared for it. Nobody ever wants to talk about it. Nobody right. ever wants to talk about death and funerals and and I would have had no idea some of the choices that Josh wanted at his funeral and didn't want at his funeral. He even though he did come to the realization that it was firefighter cancer, he did not want trucks. He didn't want engines. He did not want our daughter and I to go through that experience. I had no idea. Yeah. I would have had no idea that that's not something he didn't want to have happen. And he wanted enter Sandman Metallica to be playing. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a conversation we had in advance, right? But we only had that conversation yeah, yeah. because, because we knew, we knew that, you know, the future meant that he was going to, that it, he was going to die from cancer. Um, why? And so it's important to talk about these things. Yeah. So I was just going to ask you, why, why don't we, why, why do you think we, we brush those conversations off? Because we're afraid of those conversations. People are afraid to talk about death because it's sad and it's scary and you're not going to die until you're 80. You're not going to die until you're much older. You're it's, it's, it's scary. Nobody wants to talk about it because well, you're going to be here tomorrow. So why do we have to talk about it today? Let's just talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and for me, 2017 was, was like my 2020 um, or every, anybody's 2020, I should say. So, so in May um, I was at a wedding in Long Island and my dad called me and told me that my mom had passed away. Um, unexpected, uh, not like there was no, there was, it wasn't supposed to happen on that, that random Friday. Um, and it did. And she was only 59 and wow. was like, wait, this isn't, this, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. And they didn't talk about, you know, those types of things. And, and then a month later he's diagnosed with cancer and it's like, wait, okay. So now I have my mom who passed away in the blink of an eye that we was not expected. And now I have four months of watching Josh deteriorate and, and then eventually die. Um, I don't, I like people always ask, like, at least you had time to prepare. Yeah. But then you're watching it, you're watching it happen, but, but at least we got to talk about it. At least Josh and I did have those conversations. We did say, even though he had a will, it was 20 years old. So let's go ahead and let's get a new will and let's have it encompass, you know, our daughter who was 16 at the time. And, and let's talk about these things and let's find out, you know, who you want in lieu of flowers in your obituary. Like, do you want it to go to a specific organization or do you want flowers instead at your service? Um, they're not easy conversations. No, definitely they, not. They're, they're definitely not, they're not easy conversations. I think for Josh and I, it was easier for us to have the conversation because we had uh, Father Will and Father Will um, is the chaplain for Midway Fire Rescue. And he made it easy because he drove the conversation, right? Um, so he did drive the conversation of Josh was there for the planning of his entire funeral, his viewing and his funeral. He was there for all of it. He chose to not participate in some parts of it. He didn't really care. He doesn't care what's, you know, what, who reads what. He just, you know, he didn't care about that stuff. But, um, but we did have that guidance from, 
from the from Father Will, from the from the chaplain who did help with it. But it is people are afraid to talk about it. Pe- people are afraid to talk about, you know, how it affects them and and their feelings around it. And I am um, I'm not gonna lie, I have I have garage beer. That's what I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it garage beer. Um, I have garage beer with some guys from the fire department still, you, you know, three and a half years later where, you know, stop by after, you know, after work or on the weekends or when can you stop by? And we'll just, you know, sometimes we talk about emotions and yeah. sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's just good to just not talk about anything. But um, but you have to talk about these things. You have to talk about it because it's it's, it's the whole you know that cliche tomorrow's not promised but you're right right i think some for some if we feel like we talk about it then we're actually putting it out there that it's going to happen or happen sooner than you know right. than we want it to but it's going to happen you know i i, I talk a little bit about it to my wife about my things what i have my feelings and stuff like that and she doesn't want to hear it i mean it makes her upset yeah. and it, right. yeah right it's upsetting it's upsetting yeah but it but yeah, but it's going to be even more upsetting when you don't know the answers to those questions after, after right. you know, you've after the person has moved on, right, passed away. You know, I mean, the toll that it must have taken on you and his department, as far as just you know the, just like the the mental health portion of it, is just had to be huge. Yeah, um, Father will. I, I'm, I, I mean, I'm telling you, <laughs> Father Will, um, I, I forever will be in his debt. Um, yeah, so I had during after Josh was after Josh shared that shared with the news with the fire department. Um, there was a couple of guys that I had a group text with them, and whenever I needed anything, whenever we needed something, whenever Josh needed something, I would send a text message to these two guys, and they would say, "We'll get back to you." And then 20 minutes later, they would tell me, okay, this is, this is who's picking up Josh and taking, to, taking him to his appointment so that I didn't have to miss work. Or this is the guy who's going to come over and mow the grass. Um, it didn't matter what it was, but, but that took a toll on, on, those, on those two guys too, you know, I mean, because right. they became my rock. Um, and so I, I mean, and then having a chaplain at the firehouse. Um, that was huge. I will tell you for my daughter, she um, was, you know, she was 16 and, and she was actually um, transitioning from her regular public high school. And she was actually going to go to the governor's school for science and ethics. She was going to live two hours away from home. It was going to be, you know, it was going to be crazy. It was a rigorous um, curriculum. She was going to be, it was, it was going to be a lot. Um she wanted to go. Um, we had talked about her not going to school and just staying home. And it was, you know what? I'm going to make you an appointment with a therapist. My child, my stubborn 16 year old daughter, just like <laughs> her father was like, why do I have to go talk to somebody? I don't need to talk to somebody. No, I don't. And I'm like, just I'll go meet, meet this person, sit down with them one time. If you don't want to go back, you don't have to, but just go talk to somebody who's not yeah. me. That's not your dad. It's a great idea. Um, and, you know, and my child, stubborn like she is, if I'm going, you're going too. And I said, you know what? I will. I promise I will go to see someone. After you go, after I get you settled and taken care of, I will talk to someone. Um, we see the same therapist. It's three and a half years, almost four years later, and we both still see him upon occasion. Um, because it is important. You need to have that somebody outside of, 
of your circle that is going to be objective. Even if you're just rambling on about nothing, you need someone else to be there for you. And, and I'm very thankful that the fire department has Father Will. And there's some other resources that I know that they have brought in um, that's helped out. And, and, and even now, I mean, like I said, I still like my garage beer. Anybody, yeah. anybody I mean, I don't <laughs> care who it is. Talk to me. You yeah, know, if you're yeah. struggling, you know, you know, don't be afraid. Do, do not be afraid to engage me if you're struggling with it, yeah. because chances are I'm having a similar feeling and it's okay. It's okay to talk about them now. You know, it's okay to, it's okay to tell them number one, when they're alive, that you love them. Yeah. That's okay. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's okay. And it's okay to, to talk about them and, and to, and to, and to be upset about them and cry about them later. It's, it's, it's all okay. Yeah. I think a lot of us struggle with what's okay, I guess, or the stereotype so that you get put on to what's okay and stuff like that. Of course, I'm a lot more emotional now than I ever used to be. Um, but you know, that's going through a lot of different things and just being real, right. We, I, I think we find ourselves tucking our emotions down, you know, too far often. And I know how I have in the past about different things. And then just trying to find them again, if that makes right. sense, it just be a barrier too far. And then you're like, no emotions, which is worse. Yeah. And so I am, ways. I, I have, I've always been an emotional person. I wear, uh, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I cry about the littlest thing and it's not a bad cry. It's just, I get, you know, my, I get some eye sweats going. Um, <laughs> and it could be something as simple as, you know, talking to you right now, I have a, I have a, um, a picture frame on my desk that rotates through pictures and I can see this one picture of Josh and Shayla yesterday and I was completely fine. And I just saw it just now and it was like, Oh, okay. I'm talking yeah. about him. So you get a little emotional and, and yeah. it's, it's, it's okay. I'd rather, I'd rather get them out than hold on to them because when you do lose them, they still surface up later, right. you know, and then you lose one, you're losing, you know, 15 more on top of it and it does build up and, and then it all just flows out and, and it's, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to talk to someone. It's, it's okay. I yeah. say that a lot. <laughs> That's been like my go-to is, We say, okay. Yeah. You know, we say, okay. Yeah. I I do like the garage, the garage beer idea. That's, that's great. I mean, it's great to have, you know, just to have a way to visit in a, in a casual, casual manner. Mm -hmm. It's been, and and I'll tell you, it's been garage coffee too. It's just easier to call it garage. Yeah. Um, You know, garage talk. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's garage talk. It it is. And, And it's, you know, it's, it's just a friendly, welcoming, just, sit around and yeah, that's you great. Know, talk about nothing or talk about like something. It. It's okay. Yeah. Are, yeah. are you doing some educational stuff as well? You're putting out educational material and the website and stuff. So yeah. Um, each one of our monthly donations, we have what well, we have a jump drive that is full of white papers and stuff from the national volunteer fire council and the Florida firefighter cancer initiative and all these different organizations that, um, that, that have information out there digitally. Um, we have that on a jump drive, it's full. And then we also have an educational packet, which is a lot of the same stuff that's in there, but it's just a paper form. Cause you know, you, you have paper in front of you right now. Some people yeah, just like yeah. to touch paper. Um, so we do share that um, with each one of our monthly donations. 
Um, as well as one of the things that we do give away is access to online training from firefighter cancer consultants. And he's got a couple of different ones um, about on-scene VCON and uh, off-scene VCON and um, resources and stuff that are out there and available. And then we do have a lot of it on our website, carneystrong.org. Um, that is out there for anybody who wants it. And it's, and it's, um, we don't have everything that's on the jump drive um, on the website just because there's so, there's so much on the jump drives. But um, we do try to, we try to share, you know, information as much as we can. You will probably never hear me talk about on scene decon because let's face it, I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. I just know that you should do it. Right. Um, yeah. You <laughs> so you'll you never should. hear me yeah. you'll, you'll never hear me talk about it just do it do your job you know get yeah. your decon do your job do your decon um but it's I'm not slowly cool. learning it but it's i don't know cool. it it's not it cool. is not it is it's an, it's not cool but ironically i have um in our house it's actually one that it's it, we have a picture of josh um walking through a house that I don't know if it was for training or what, but there's a photo of him walking through the house and it's dark and it's smoky and it's just, you know, like he's in his gear and he's carrying his helmet through the house. Yeah. It is an awesome, awesome photo of him. And this was from probably 15 years ago. We had it blown up and framed and it hangs on the wall in our house. And then cancer happens and you're like, oh my gosh, we have this photo. We have another photo of his helmet from a training burn. That's just yeah. gross. It's like we blew it up and hung it on the wall, you know, and I'm not taking them down. They are still hanging on the wall. I will not take them down because you you have to learn somehow, you know, and it's like, so it's yeah. that reminder for us that though you think it's cool, it's, it's, it's really not dirty. It's not. Dirty is not cool. It's not, and I'd like to see there's a change, a small change in the fire service, and maybe it's bigger than I think. I start seeing more people posting about it. I know uh, culturally, our fire department's making a bigger change. I see guys washing their gears more more often mm-hmm. um, after trainings, and you know, and that stuff. I'll be honest, I probably hardly ever wash my gear up until recently. You know, and yeah. just yeah, it just I don't know. I, maybe it's just a huge lack of education in there was a gap or something that in the fire service, I, I don't know. Or maybe it wasn't just like, that was a badge of honor. Let's be honest. At, in at times during there was a badge of honor, like to look your, how to look cool by having like, you don't want to look like a new guy by having, you know, clean right. gear. Cause then maybe people will look at you and say, Oh, he doesn't know anybody. Yeah. And that know was- anything. Cause he doesn't. And that was, and that was Josh too. I mean, he, you know, man, I don't know when he started talking about decon, if he ever really did. Um, I know in the more recent years before he passed away, they, they did start, they did start pushing for, um, for cleaner, healthier um, habits and choices and that kind of stuff. But in the beginning, no, he never, Yeah. he just didn't, you know, yeah. he was definitely old school mentality. I mean, he had the huge mustache, you know, I mean, it was, he definitely <laughs> had the old school mentality, but. Um, I, you do see, um, a lot of the departments, a lot of the states, what we're seeing now, or what I'm seeing and reading is that their recruit classes, they're, they're learning it straight up in recruit school, um, and in the academies and, and they are having people come in and talk. Um, I've actually gone in to talk at Josh's department a couple of times to some new guys, just, you know, just to talk, just to sit here and be like, Hey, listen, I'm not gonna tell you to do your decon, but I'm going to tell you what happens if you don't do your decon. You know, um, 
not that not that it's not going to happen anyway, but there's just there's so much out there that that you should be doing that you and and at this point it's 2021. I'm sorry, but if you are at a fire department and you don't know that you have a high risk for cancer, you should not be in the fire department. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 2021 at this point. Yeah. It's all over everything in the fire service. And yeah. 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 I'm getting a little choked up myself because on Friday I have an appointment to go in and have my face looked at again and be checked again. And I'm just like, my wife used to work for a dermatologist. Yeah. And so she's, she knows and we're trying to keep on top of it. There's definitely going to be some, some spots that'll have to be removed deeply and stuff like that. But it's, yeah. and it's a lot of it's just around my face where my mask always is set and sealed and stuff. And that's mm-hmm. basically the areas I've been struggling with um, places on my back where my air pack sits and puts the pressure up against my back. And so those contact right. areas, you know, that we know are one of those trouble spots for us. So, but you're staying on top of it, right? You're going to your appointments. You're having this anxiety around all your scans. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's like, right, you want people to learn from you. I mean, if, if we can share things like the podcast and share these amazing things that you're doing, right. and, um, you know, just working incredibly hard on behalf of Josh and to try to get this education out. And I'm sure he's yeah. he's there cheerleading you on, you know, every step of the way. And I, I certainly, yeah, I was always the outspoken one out of the two of us. He, um, <laughs> even though, you know, people think he, he, people think he was loud at the firehouse. He was, I, I, of the two of us, I was definitely the loud and outspoken one. And, um, I think his probably only complaint about the whole thing was, is that why'd you have to use my last name? But <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's whatever. Very He'll be, guy, you know. very humble guy. He doesn't want, doesn't want any credit. Yeah. Just that he's, yeah, he was definitely, he was definitely a humble one for sure. Um, but but yeah, you know what? It, uh, I will, I will talk. I will talk. If somebody's going to listen, then I'm going to talk because that means if somebody's listening, then, then they're going to hear one thing. And if they got one thing out of the conversation, then, then that's, then that's what matters. Even if it means go to the daddy daughter dance, yeah. you know, I mean, cause, because that's a memory that my, my daughter's going to have forever. She's not going to have those other memories you know, right, after right. he passed away. So she's got the memory of the daddy daughter dance. I mention the daddy daughter dance every single time I talk <laughs> because it's very important that you stubborn men <laughs> go to the daddy daughter dance. It's not about you. It's about them. Right. That's right. all I'm saying. This should be a shirt made up about that. It's about you, not them or well. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. About you. Some yeah, things no, are I'm not just, about you. I just so go, uh, go to daddy yeah, daughter dance, right. take the picture and smile in the picture, you know, because so many firefighters, so many men in general, I don't like to be in photos. I don't want to be in photos. Well, guess yeah. what? If you, if you make a face in every photo after you're gone, that's what people see is that photo <laughs> every single time you're making yeah. a, you know, you're making a face or turning your head or pulling your hat down. So be in the photos. The photos aren't about you. They're about the other people that get to enjoy them and remember you after you are gone. Yeah. No, I'd love take I'd the love photos. That. Yeah. Agreed. How can people support you in what you're doing? What's the best oh, way? Well, there's, um, so the best way with all of our options is definitely carneystrong.org, our website. Uh, we are on Facebook, Carney Strong. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but definitely our website is the easiest way. Um, we love donations of all kinds. Um, you know, we're definitely not picky. Um, I can see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's there. We do um, we do have a, a challenge coin that is for sale on our website, carneystrong.org. And we do have t-shirts that are available through um, Bonfire, but it's also the link to the to buy the t-shirts is through carneystrong.org. I'm gonna say it one more time. Are you ready? Yeah. Carneystrong.org. I feel like I've said it a couple of times, but carneystrong.org. Hey, that's great. And we'll put it in the in the show notes as well. And I really want people Perfect. to to join in on decon day and let's see if we can get this rolling yeah. as a national holiday. Why we have other, other holidays. Why can't we have one on that day for that? I, I'm going to keep doing it. So, I mean, in my world, it definitely is a national holiday for sure. But if we can get these uh, we other actually, businesses to do it, like, you know, and during the badge podcast is recognize yeah. it as a holiday and these other businesses, I think it'll really catch on. I think so. I mean, I, I mean, it's already, it's already caught on pretty good. Um, we uh, we we are hoping to expand it out. Uh, we're hoping to donate more than just the wipes and the educational material that we have, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, we have this like little quiet indirect thing that we've donated to, I think, 35 or 36 states. And we're like thinking, can we donate to all 50 states within the next year? Like, can we could we do it? Maybe. Yeah, we have, you know, we have we have a lot of outstanding grant grant requests that we have to, that we want to fulfill. And so, but you know, we just have that Pacific time zone, that mountain time zone that we're, we struggle in with, you know, it's, and it's, and it's more wildland departments. Um, and, and we understand that. And we have definitely donated to wildland departments and, and firefighters. Um, but we're working on it. So if you listen, if anybody's listening from like, I don't know, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Alaska, <laughs> the Dakotas, you know, I mean, like, yeah, we actually have made a couple of donations to Utah already, but yeah. we'll make more. I mean, we're yeah. totally ready to make more, but, um, Tony sent me some, some products. I know they're awesome. And I, I love them. Yeah. And, uh, probably we'll be out of them by the end of this wildland fire season for sure. Which is good that you're gonna you, that you've already started using them and that you plan on using them and that they didn't go in a closet somewhere. Right, right, agreed. And you know, like this- that's and that's our yeah. that's our thing with like when we make donations is we want you to send the grant request through the website carneystrong.org because that means that you are going to use it. You know, we we try very hard not to just donate to a department that that, that has not reached out for the help. Um, because either you don't need the help and that's okay, or you're not going to use the product. So, um, we definitely want to reach out to those departments that need it, that want it, um, that, you know, otherwise we, we know several departments, um, that, you know, specifically that are struggling enough as it is to keep their lights on and put, you know, gas and diesel in the trucks because they couldn't do those extra fundraisers that they always have been last year. So yeah, it's true. Um, Very true. You know, and and even into this year, they're, you know, they can't do their and and it's, I know it's, you know, some people joke about it, but they can't do their pancake breakfasts. Yeah, yeah. And they can't, you know, do their, you know, the, their pig fries and and the way that they made money to to fund simple things like, you know, buying old gear. Right. Forget about right. new gear. So yeah, I think that's anyway. something that they kind of got lost. I actually, there's a lot of departments near to me that like have fundraisers and stuff like that. And I didn't even think about it with all the stuff going on that they haven't been able to do those major fundraisers that they do each year. And that, right. that's got to be incredibly hard on them. Yeah. So Yeah. And I, now we're rolling into another year. And Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 
So before I let you go, I feel like I, when I ask this question quite often, I feel like I know the answer, but I'm asking it anyways, because I always end the show this way. What impact do you want to make in the world? I, um, I want to make, I want, I want to, um, I, I don't want to see another, and I know it happens, but I don't want to see another fire wife or, or another child go through what my daughter and I went through at his funeral. Um, she was handed his helmet and I was handed his flag. And to this day, it's one of the worst moments ever. Um, and I just don't want that for anybody else. So, so my impact is going to be for the fire family. Um, I, I'm hoping that the more I talk, the more I ramble on, the more, the more fire families listen, um, or firefighters listen and share it with their families and realize that um, they need to start taking a proactive approach now, no matter how old you are. And, and I don't, I hate the excuse of, well, I've been in the fire service now for 20 something years, so I'm going to get cancer anyway. Well, no, do your decon. You know, you're, whatever you're doing now is the old salty guy. The young new kid is watching every, every move. So, so do what you need to do to help him, you know, to help the new guy. Um, Anyway, so um, I just hope that I am making enough of an impact to change a couple of lives out there in the fire service because firefighter cancer is, I don't want to say preventable, but you can definitely reduce your risks. Right. And so right. I hope somebody's listening that starts something new today. I am sure they are. And I really appreciate it. I just want to, is there other places that people can contact you at other than the, the website? Is that the best place? Um, so there's a website. Um, that's the, it's the best place to find all the information. Um, but we have, you can email at info at uh, Um I always like to say info at carneystrong.org instead of Lillian at carneystrong.org because, org, <laughs> because it's L-I-L-L-I-A-N um, and nobody ever gets it right. Um, but anyway, so you can email us at info at carneystrong.org. Um, we're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. It's all Carney Strong or Carney Strong, Carney Strong Initiative. So we are out there in the world. Great. And if you're in South Carolina, we're going to be at the Fire Rescue Conference in uh, next month. And we are probably going to be walking around um, FRI the end of July, but we are not going to be at FDIC. That's the beginning of August. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna go because it's a, it's a great it's a it's a first off it's a great experience for everybody. Sure. Um, ironically, Josh Josh ended up going to FDIC and his first night his first day of classes that night I talked to him on the phone and he said to me, "I can't believe you've never let me come here before." And I'm like, "Whoa, <laughs> back up, buddy! What do you mean I've never let you come here before?" You know. And so from the training aspect, he got a lot out of it, but from from the Carney strong side it's a great place to have to make the contacts to, right, to, right. to meet people in the industry and see what's happening and see what's changing and um cancer prevention in the fire service so yeah but once they move the dates to the beginning of august we were unable to attend yeah so. that's a rough one it happens. Well, i appreciate your time next lillian year. yeah next year yes thank you jerry yeah i do appreciate i appreciate you having me on thank you yeah it's been an honor and a pleasure thanks again for listening don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you access your podcast. If you know someone that would be great on the show, please get a hold of our host, Jerry Dean Lund, through the Instagram handles at Jerry Fire and Fuel or at 
Enduring the Badge Podcast. Also, by visiting the show's website, EnduringTheBadgePodcast.com for additional methods of contact and up-to-date information regarding the show. Remember, the views and opinions expressed during the show solely represent those of our hosts and the current episode's guests.